0: up everybody you on fin the flame podcast i'm your host scott tilly welcome back to the channel thank you guys so much for tuning in thank you for being a part of what i believe has been one of the biggest blessings of my life um i've never thought about podcasting before a friend of mine kind of pushed me to do this and so i'm so thankful that he did that and many others as well but um this is uh this is it's a great time to be alive. I know, despite what the news may tell you and what's going on around us, you know, I did an episode last week um, and it was called what's going on. And I talked about what's happening in Israel and the middle East and with Hamas and um, all the craziness that's happening in the political realm. And um, just, just, it seems like if, if we're not real careful on where our focus is pulled, we can, um, we can believe that the chaos is bigger than the comfort of our savior. And, It's my desire and my wish, as always with this podcast, to be able to fan into flame the gifts that were given to you on the ordination of your ministry existence. And again, whether you know it or not, or whether you believe it or not, if uh, you are uh, a follower of Christ, you have a ministry, you have a purpose, um, you have provision from the Lord to get you where he has called you to be, and you have a ministry within that. And so I think that we need to start looking at life through that lens, especially now uh, um, in the times that we're in, and what's going on around us, and and kind of the chaos that's trying to ensue, but we know that Christ is King. Okay, at the end of the day, um, Jesus Christ is going to do exactly what He said He's going to do in His Word. He will remain victorious. There is no power and no demon, no um, principality that's more greater than His presence. So um, I'm super thankful for that. And I do want to start today off with just a prayer. Got a heavy heart about some things that have happened in the last week, and I just need to still my heart before the Lord before I um, do anything or say anything to you guys. So, whew, Holy Spirit, help. Sometimes that's just the greatest prayer that we can pray. Holy Spirit, help. I need your presence. I need your uh, pure existence before me today. I need to speak a word of encouragement, not just to those who would be listening, but to myself. I need encouragement, Lord. I need your word. I need your spoken word over me same word that I was in this morning as I spent time with you um just doing housework and as I was listening to your word and listening to how it saturates our soul and how it blankets our heart in a place of refuge where we just can't get anywhere else. We can go look for guidance somewhere through other people, through other things, but your guidance, your truth, your presence, your perfection is really truly all that we need and we need to start there. And so I'm thankful for that God. And I asked that anyone who on this who would be listening on this podcast uh, that's, that's dealing with the heavy heart this morning, that you would just release your peace to them. Your peace that surpasses all understanding. I know in John 14, 27 that it says, um, your perfect peace you give to us, not as the world gives to us, but as you give to us. Let our hearts not be troubled and do not be afraid. And so we stand in that today. No matter what the circumstance is, no matter what the situation is, we stand in that truth that your peace... Will provide all of our needs. And so we stand in that and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Sometimes the guys, I'm telling you, that's just the simplest prayer. I used to stand before um, a multitude of people to preach the gospel to them, and I would stand up there before I started and I would say, Holy Spirit, help. And He does. He is still helping. And whether I'm preaching, whether I'm parenting, whether I'm um, working, Um, whatever the case may be, all I got to do sometimes is just reach out to him and say, Holy Spirit, help. And he absolutely is ready to do that. And not just this uh, warm, fuzzy, comfy feeling, but the fact that Jesus Christ himself sends warring angels on our behalf still um, absolutely fascinates me. Um, And you know, one of these episodes, I'm going to talk about angels, um, and not to glorify them, but to glorify the Creator who who made them. And when you look at God's creation, sometimes it's it's Romans talks about this. Like it's it's easy to worship the creation rather than the Creator, and so we have to be very careful on how uh, how we navigate purpose in um, talking about these things and being um, adequately um, adequately equipped to um, to speak on them and the equipping comes from God, okay? It's not, yes, studying helps, but um, there's no better teacher than the Holy Spirit, and that's how I've relied on my entire ministry and my entire life, and have I failed 2,000 times over? Yes, probably from yesterday, but I believe that I'm standing in God's grace. I believe that those who are in Christ Jesus, washed in His blood, repented of their sins, are standing in God's grace, and so He has this special ability to give us grace while we grow in Him, and so I'm so thankful for that, and I don't know why I felt led to start with that. I think it's because it's one of the things that I, well, the main thing I want to talk about today is, um, uh, I don't know how to, how to become in such a place with God where you're working from victory, not for victory, um, I think would probably be the best way to to note that. And um, Jesus Christ is our victor, okay? He is the victorious one, and in Him we have all victory. We have all um, all good things, all authority. You know, Jesus said, "All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me." And he and he kind of institutes this authority to his disciples, and then to the disciples that would become after him. And so we get to be a part of this blanketed uh, prophetic word that Jesus spoke over not just the the disciples, but the entire world who would come to the knowledge of who he is. That we get to walk into this place of not perfection because we we are walking in human flesh, but his his perfected spirit is within us, and so we always have the opportunity to speak the right things to say the right things and to do the right things. And, um, man, this has just been a challenging week for me. And, um, just, just a lot of perfection that's been missed. And I think that in our minds, if that's the goal, if perfection is the goal and that's all we see. And we don't look at the journey and we don't look at the voyage and we don't look at those who've, who God has brought up with us. Then we sometimes can get, um, into a place of great despair and so we need to realize that we're working from a place of victory, okay? Um, Jesus Christ is the risen King. He, um, he is the risen Savior. He is the victorious one. Um, he is our hero. He is um, He is the hero of the story. He's the hero of my life, not Scott Tilly, not a bunch of works that Scott Tilly has done or hasn't done, uh, or not, not the faults and shortcomings that Scott Tilly has um, allowed in his life. Those are not the heroes of my story. Jesus Christ is, and I think that we as believers need to get that understanding and that we, we, we fight from this place of victory. We don't fight for victory. And this has never made more clear to me than in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, in which I want to talk about two specific verses today. You can write these down um, because this is for the person who's striving for excellence out of a place of uh, self-promotion or, or um, what's the word I'm looking for, self-evaluation, Maybe you're looking at your life and you're not where you think think you should be. And you're disgusted in yourself. And so you just try harder. You just grit your teeth and you try harder. And because that's what the world tells you to do, right? If you can't get it, just try harder, grit your teeth, come back, try again. I don't disagree with some of those statements, but I do disagree if they're from a place of my own personal um, agenda and my own personal um, ways and will rather than trading those things for the will of God. And so, um, yeah the law. Paul talks about the law in 2 Corinthians 3. And I want to I note this before I talk about the next verse, and we'll get to that in a moment. But I want you to know that this is a place where all of us have been. We're trying to work for God's approval when through Christ Jesus, we already have God's approval. And so what we do is we, we surround ourselves with people that are like-minded and striving for some of the same things, just like the Israelites. We're trying to gain salvation and gain God's approval gain his attention through doing a bunch of things, 613 laws, 10 command, you know, stacked on top of 10 commandments. And they were trying to, and the 10 commandments are still very valuable for today, by the way. I do not discard those. Um, Jesus said that I become the law. So he, he fulfilled the law, right? He fulfilled the entire law. So we don't discard any of these things that we're talking about. They were set up for a certain time and place. And I do believe that 10, 10 commandments are absolutely still available, still um, <clears throat> profound for today and still needed for today. So let me start by saying that. But Paul's talking about like them regressing like they've been they, they, they've they tasted and they've seen how good God is through this grace that was only obtained by faith in Christ. And they're trying to revolt or excuse me, not revolt. That's probably not the best word. They're, they're trying to um, to regress and go backwards to getting a, a work based relationship with the, with the Lord. And when we do this, because we've all done it. We never feel like we can measure up. We can't do enough. We can't be enough. We can't get enough. We can't obtain enough. We can't be smart enough. We can't be wisdom minded enough. And so we become um, in a place of just great desolation. And and we, uh, we regress to this place of self-fulfillment. And if I can just do a little bit more, God will see me. If I can just be a little bit more holy, God will um, see me. If I can just pour into... Um, three more things in the church and take on four more classes on Sunday school and do eight more things at home and maybe God will see me and the truth of the matter is he already sees you somebody needs to hear that he already sees you you've professed your faith to Christ Jesus you've repented of your sins you have the gift of the Holy Spirit God sees you that's decent coffee it ain't red beard but it'll do so second Corinthians three Paul addresses this issue let's just jump in are we starting to commend ourselves again? You see how Paul starts, like, are we starting to believe this is about us? Or we do not, like some false teachers, need written credentials or letters of recommendation to you or or from you, do we? So Paul's saying, look, I'm coming with the authority of God. I don't need a whole bunch of credentials to tell you that I'm the real deal, that I've been with Jesus, that I have an encounter with Jesus, that I am speaking his truth. Do we really need to bring you letters of recommendations? okay no you yourselves are our letter of recommendation our credentials written in your hearts to be known perceived recognized and read by everybody so jesus is, or paul's saying through the holy spirit by the way they themselves are the letter of recommendation okay what is the letter we go back to the letter of understanding the law the letter of the law right the 613 laws that were written in the old testament and he's saying like you yourselves are now um the um, the, the light the shining lights of this letter, okay? And you are to be read by everybody. Let your lives be a story for Jesus. Let your life be um, the, the, the written word as you live it out, okay? Um, things change about the word of God when you don't just read it, but you let it read you, and then you you allow the Holy Spirit to adjust you accordingly. So you show and make obvious that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, not written with ink, but with the Holy Spirit, of the living God, not on tablets of stone, come on somebody, but on tablets of the human heart. So he's not talking about having a stone of a written tablet, you know, a physical stone. He's saying, you are the written stone. You are with the spirit. And this is where I think that we miss it. So many people try to be written epistles or written stones without the leading of the Holy Spirit. You can know Hebrew and not know him. You can know Greek and not know God. You can know the hymns and not know him. Come on, somebody. And so we have to understand that it is not about us. It's about the grace given by Christ through the Holy Spirit to be able to walk, talk, breathe, act just like Jesus and do the things that he did, even greater things than I, as Jesus would say. And so it's tablets written on our human hearts. The word of God is instilled in our heart and it pours out of us because out of the heart, right, is the wellspring of life. And so when we take in the word of God, just life comes out. Just life should speak out. And it says, such is the reliance and confidence that we have through Christ toward and with reference to God. Not that we are fit, qualified and sufficient in ability of ourselves to, from personal judgments or to claim or count anything as coming from us, but our power and ability and sufficiency are from God. See, Paul always alludes everything back to the Father. I love this. I love that no matter what was um, achieved in his life, he considered it nothing compared to just being with God and considered it nothing compared to what God is able to do, because it is God that is working through him. And and this is what I wanted to look at right here, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6, and then I'll go on to this next thing, because this is all about him kind of challenging them to look at things differently. Like, you need to stop worrying about what you're doing for God and start thinking about what you can do because of what God has done, okay? What you are able to do only by the grace of what he gives. Six says this, it is he who has qualified us, okay? Not man, not some seminary, not whatever. It is God who has qualified us, making us to be fit and worthy and sufficient as ministers and dispensers of a new covenant. Think about the theology that they was getting wrecked right there when Paul sent this letter to the church at Corinth, a new covenant, because Jesus said what at the cross, or before the before the cross, uh, um, when they were in the upper room eating supper, he said, um, he he broke the bread and he and he and he blessed the wine. He said this wine represents a new covenant. Well, what is that new covenant? No more, where we going to have to obey the law of sacrificing animals and a day of atonement, now we have the representation of the unblemished lamb in Christ Jesus. This is the new covenant. So this is the forgiveness of sins, not a continual sacrifice. God desires obedience rather than sacrifice. That's what the Word says. So obedience through Christ Jesus, come on, somebody, we're speaking prophetically. Obedience through Christ Jesus, through one man, set all men free that would come to the knowledge of that one man. So being obedient as Christ was obedient even to the cross of death, when we lay down our lives, pick up our cross, then this blanketed covenant of God's right, right standing with the Father falls on us. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. And it is so it's he who qualifies us, okay? It's not nothing that we have done or could do or ever would do. It's because of the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. And it says that this new covenant of salvation through Christ, not ministers of the letter, the letter's of law, of legally written code, but of the spirit for the code of the law, kills, look at what he says here, for the spirit, he says, but of the Spirit, so it's, we're not bound to this letter, we're bound to the Spirit of God. Come on. For the code of the law kills. He's talking about he's talking about the law of the Old Testament. The law kills, but the Holy Spirit makes us alive. Come on, somebody. The law if I try to follow a list of rules in getting Jesus' attention and getting the attention from heaven, I'm going to live in a life of death. It says it right there. The letter kills. The letter literally killed. Nobody could obtain this. Nobody could abide by these 613 laws. Not a single person could do that. Okay? So we have this immaculate Savior that shows up on scene. He fulfills the entire law and says, look, you can't do that. I'm paraphrasing. You cannot fulfill that law. I have fulfilled that law. I have become the law. I have fulfilled it. Follow me. And and that in of itself is you fulfilling the law. Come on. All we have to do is submit ourselves to Christ, repent of our sins, follow the risen Savior, and we're square with God. That sounds like a pretty fair deal instead of going and sacrificing uh, unblemished animals once a year, cutting their throats, sprinkling them on the altar, burning the fats. You know, man, I'm just so thankful for the grace of God that we don't have to do that. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't live in that covenant anymore. We live in the new covenant of your grace. And so this kind of alludes to what I want to say next. And so understanding that we do not get God's attention by doing a bunch of things. I think somebody needs to hear that. I didn't go anywhere. I'm just sipping on my coffee. Some of us have obtained a relationship with God simply by doing a bunch of things. And we've been taught that by so many different people. And this is, (laughs) I don't, I want to tread on my words lightly, but I want to get my point across. A a works-based religion is a demonic religion. If you're working for your salvation, then it's on you, not Jesus. And that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to feel like you have to work for your salvation, when in reality, Christ Jesus already paid for it. Now, from that paying forth of, of our salvation, we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling, which means to to honor God, to to be obedient to God, to be in, in reverence of God, to follow him wholeheartedly, put him above everything, um, everything, our kids, our spouse, our job, everything. He has to be number one. And so that's what it looks like to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not that he's waiting around the corner to bash you in the face with his word, with a Bible or a bat across the head, not that kind of fear, but a fear and trembling of Awestruck wonder, like look at as we read the Old Testament, look at what he did, look how he obliterated uh, Israel's enemies, which he's going to do again. By the way, Hamas, your days are numbered. Um, I said what I said. Um, so he, like looking at these stories of how powerful, how mighty, how how amazing he is. Okay, as as Jesus, um, and and what he's able to do. I was thinking about the other day um, how he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and the night before his crucifixion, the Roman soldiers show up with Judas to arrest him. And, and you know, the kiss of death was upon him from Judas. And and they're, they're kind of starting to mocking already. And, and, and Jesus says to him, like, hey, couldn't I call on my father to send me legions of angels? Basically, I could just snap my fingers and say, hey, dad, send legions of angels. And he would literally destroy the entire earth, you know, and I would be the only one left standing, you know. But obviously we know that, He had a will to do from the father and he fulfilled that will. Holy spirit. Um, thank you for just being here. Holy spirit. Thank you for that revelation. Like he fulfilled the will of the father by holding back, you know, the hounds of heaven, so to speak. Like that's what it looks like to be meek. When you have all power and all authority to be able to obliterate whatever's right in front of you, but you hold back in hopes that even these Roman soldiers and Judas probably, well, we know his faith, so that might be a little bit different. There's different theology debates on that. But even believing that some of these Roman soldiers might come to faith through what they're witnessing him about to go through. And so it's just good stuff, man. And and I love how the the Bible speaks to us. But I want to speak to this law and how it kills for a moment you know, uh, continued for just a moment. Like we can, we can absolutely believe that we're doing God's will by doing a bunch of things for God and not li- not living out of the presence of God. And so doing things for the kingdom is not a bad thing, by the way, like you have to be able to, like faith without works is dead. Okay. I can say I'm a believer in Christ, but if I never do anything, for, you know, like with him, Um, I think we need to start that, that it's not for him, so to speak, as it is with him. Yeah, you can do some things for God and we should be doing some things for God, but we need to be doing things with God. And so when we, when we move out of that um, presence and out of that power, things just naturally start to align with the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, um, going back to a mindset of living by the letter, living by a whole bunch of list of rules that nobody can abide by. Um, it's just, it puts us in a place of, of great death and in our spirit and, and in great, you know, desolation. And so I want you to see this from, from this perspective. Um, and, and you can read on, go ahead and read on, but but I, in sake of time, um, I, um, I want to read, second uh, Corinthians five seventeen because this is, you know, I don't think it's by chance that second Corinthians, um, 517 follows, you know, chapter three. Um, And some of you know, this is like one of my favorite scriptures and I talk about it a lot. I preached on it multiple times, Um, but I want people to realize that what the power that is instilled in you by the resurrection of Christ Jesus and by his graceful presence and and spirit that is instituted into the believer once we have uh, become followers of him. So it says this in 17 of second Corinthians chapter five. This is the Amplified Classic version, by the way. Therefore, if anyone is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. There's an exclamation mark on the end of that. Anytime you see behold in the Bible, you better behold and listen to what is the word being spoken. Listen, if you're in Christ Jesus, he has engrafted to you a brand new creation. You are no longer tied to the old you. And I see this so much in people's lives, especially with the people that I I minister to with alcoholism or addiction. They just cannot believe that that old man has died or that old woman has died. They have so much guilt, so much regret by by, by what the demonic um spirit of of addiction and alcoholism has done to their life and has destroyed they just don't think that they um that they are worthy of receiving new life and new creative measures and so what they do is they regress they they get really on fire they find they find god they find the gym i've noticed a lot of them which is good i want them to keep going to the gym but they do these things full tilt again and it becomes a work based thing you know then they get in a program and that becomes a work based thing then it's you know, I got my one-year sobriety chip, and now we're, we're working for another month for a sobriety chip instead of just working on spending time with the Father. And I'm talking like desperate need, I need you every second, Father, instead of a program, you know, instead of, excuse me, instead of a, instead of presence, they settle for a program. And that program is not designed to fix you. That program is designed to help you cope. And Jesus Christ is not the God of coping. He is the God of hope. He is a God of redemption. He is a God of restoration. He is a God of complete and new creation. You are no longer tied to who you were. Now, I'm not saying that he's not going to give you a mop and a bucket and ask you to clean some things up in your life. What I'm saying is those things no longer define who you are and you don't have to do a whole bunch of things to prove that that's not you anymore. Come on, somebody. What was needed in proof was done on the cross of Calvary, and that's what frees you from addiction and alcoholism. Once you get that in your spirit and realize I am not that person anymore, you can talk about me, what I did. The papers still may be in the mail and the court uh, court that I have to serve and the jail time I have to serve or whatever, but that does not identify with my new spirit. I'll do that. I'll take care of what I need to, and I'll, and I'll pay due to the law. Whatever I've broken, whatever I need to fix, I'll do, but I'm not tied to what that says I am. I'm doing this simply out of obedience of restora- uh, restoration with the city or with or with my probation officer or whatever but that doesn't define who I am anymore. I am a child of God and that is how I am and that is how I am motivated and moved by his spirit not by a list of rules that I have to do's and do not not by a list of do's and don'ts a list of rules that keep me in suppression and keep me in depression. And so I think that somebody needed to hear that today like you are not Whew. you're not um, you're not the decisions that you have made in your life they do not define you okay um, the only decision that defines you is the one when you decide to follow Jesus Christ and you've laid down your life and you picked up your cross and you decide to follow him and so that's what I wanted to say you know in a nutshell today is to get to, get to the understanding that we don't You know, this isn't a works-based religion, guys. It's not do a bunch of things and then God will give me a bunch of things. He's not like that. Scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. That's not the relationship that we're called to have with Holy Spirit. We're called to have a, a, a relationship with Holy Spirit where He's number one in our lives. And everything that happens outside of Him being number one in my life is a representation of working out my salvation with fear and trembling. As I walk with Jesus, He changes me. Do I have to change to go to church? No. Do I have to change to read the Bible? No. But guess what? Reading the Bible will change you. Having a rela- Do I have to change um, to approach Jesus in a relationship? No. You can come to him filthy, unclean. You can come to him oppressed, depressed, side-pressed, above-pressed, below-pressed. It doesn't matter. You can come to him any way you want. But coming to him will change you, period. You don't have to change to come to Jesus, but coming to Him will change you. Whew, that's a lot, you know. Um, I want to stay on longer, but I think I think the Lord's telling me to to kick this off. So, uh, guys, next week, please pay attention, be present. I have a guest on who is an amazing woman of God, a young woman of God. Um, I am so 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 excited and elated for this. This is just kind of a vision that the Lord gave me in the gym one day um, about this next guest that I would be having on, and she is uh, amazing. She is for the now generation. She is the now generation. Pastor Michael Parati says that, you know, uh, we're not talking about the next generation. We're talking about the now generation, and and uh, it's so true. There's so much going on with the youth right now, and I'm elated just to see it happening and be a part of it. And so, uh, yeah, I'm not going to give any names, but I will, uh, I will let you, I'll lead you into that and allow you to uh, kind of guess who that might be. Uh, don't text me and ask because I'm not going to tell you. Only a few people know. So I'm so excited for her. I'm so excited to be on with her and just for her to share her heart. So I love you guys so much. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and send me emails, text messages, uh, Facebook messages, whatever. Uh, Remember, we fight from victory, not for victory. And you don't have to work to get God's attention. You already have it through Christ Jesus. I love you guys so much. Have an amazing day, evening, morning, whatever uh, whatever it is when you're seeing this. Uh, Let me pray real quick. Father, I thank you for your spoken word. It pierces our hearts. It It is so available to divide both bone and marrow and understand our thoughts and attentions. And I just, God, we bless anyone on here that would hear this podcast. Let them feel your presence. Let them see your work in their lives. Let them know that they don't have to work to get your attention, God, that through Christ Jesus, putting our faith in what happened on that cross on Calvary's Hill gives us right standing with you and you see us through that light. And so bless them with that message today, God. Thank you for uh, the Apostle Paul. Thank you for your Bible. Thank you for the written, spoken word that can be lived out in our lives. It is a powerful word. And so we are thankful for that. Bless these amazing people, God. Um, Let them hear your voice through this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you all. Have a great, 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 great day.